You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. In the spirit of giving, with Thanksgiving approaching and the holiday season soon upon us, I thought I'd share this interview from 2014 with Supe Liu, one of the co-founders of Nomi Network. Here, Supe tell the story of how the desire to create more awareness about human trafficking led to the creation of Nomi Network, an organization which gives economic opportunities to empower women and to protect them from human trafficking. Last year, the organization celebrated its 10th year. Here is that episode. This is Felicia Lin, your host of Talking Taiwan. On today's podcast, our guest is Supei Liu. She's one of the co-founders of Nomi Network, along with Diana Mao and Alyssa Moore. Nomi Network is an organization that was created to give economic opportunities to survivors and women at risk of human trafficking. And I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today, Supei. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here, and uh, and I know we have known each other for a while, especially actually since ever since Nomi started. So it's really excited to be here. That's right. I remember hearing about Nomi Network in two thousand and nine, and seeing how you've grown is so exciting. Um, now I know a little bit about the story of how uh, Diana and Alyssa met Nomi, and that you also met her. Could you tell me a little bit about Nomi and the story behind Nomi Network, how that all came about? Sure. Nomi Network, Nomi, the name itself is actually inspired by a little girl. Her name is Naomi that we all met in Cambodia. Um, And she was trafficked when she was barely eight years old. And uh, um, we... We all met her and we were just absolutely inspired by her courage and uh, what has been going on in that area. So we got together and just really inspired by her. And uh, the Nomi name is also synonymous, meaning know me, know my story, know my success. So that's kind of a, a short story how it really comes about, inspired by a young little girl who overcome the obstacle. And uh, we hope to provide her and many more a better future. Mm-hmm. Right. And so was she at some kind of orphanage or a shelter or something that you heard about and visited? Or, like, how did that happen? When we met her, she was living in a shelter. And uh, and because of uh, what happened to her, so she actually experienced uh, some mental disability. As a result, they, most likely she will probably be in that shelter for a long time versus other young girls. Um, and... Uh, we actually continue to go back to visit her even after all these years, mm-hmm. and she definitely overcome a lot and grow up a lot. And uh, but um, she will still be in the shelter for a long time because her physical and mental condition. Um, and so, how do you go about starting an organization like this? Like, what are the first steps? You know, that's a <laughs> that's a very good question because we really didn't start thinking that we're going to start an organization. Uh, we started because we just feel passionate about this cause and we want to raise awareness, not so much let's start an organization. Mm-hmm. So it's really a little bit of reverse. We all started just volunteers, uh, just volunteer for cause and thinking, how can we tell people more? Um, how can we actually make a difference? So the concept continued to evolve after, but when we first started, it was just a whole bunch of us wanted to volunteer and want to raise money and I want to bring the money back and to help. Literally, that's that just how we started. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just to bring some attention and awareness to this issue, right? And so, uh, how do you know Diana and Lisa? Did you know them beforehand, or like, how did you come to meet them? Um, I met Diana actually at our church uh, through our pastor because we both express our interest at the different um, at a different time. We didn't know each other then. So we both share with our pastor about our passion, about our goal, and uh, um, and how I have desire to really connect people on the ground and then to 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 basically the business in in the West because I came from corporate background and Diana um, and also shared about her passion because she just came back from Cambodia. So that's how we got connected. And uh, Diana met Alyssa through a prayers meeting, and uh, I got to meet Alyssa because of Diana. Mm-hmm. Great. Wow, and I guess through conversation or meeting, you guys realized you had a common interest or um, common goals. It's my understanding that in the beginning, Diana actually had a full job when she first started uh, Nomi Network. Um, what about you and Alyssa? Did you guys have full-time jobs? Like, What was your situation when you guys first started up? Yeah, when we first started up, all of us actually had a, a full-time job. That's incredible. Yeah, I was in actually a transition uh, from a full-time job because um, I was in corporate for over 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, as we know, 2008 was, uh, was a challenging time for many business owners. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, so I was in the transition of looking for different opportunities. Um, and, uh, and quite honestly, this opportunity kind of came along. And it was daunting because it's not a job transition. It's not like you're transit from one job to the other. No, no, it's a startup. Yeah, it, it is a total startup. And you kind of, okay, this is my passion. This is what I'm hoping I can do, but never really thought would be a career or never really thought seven years later we actually got bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. So um, so it was a passion. It was an idea. It's just like any startup. You kind of think about whether you can do it. So um, so we all when we first started, we all had a full-time job. And then I basically left that job and became the first employee, full-time staff of Nomi. And this happened in, I believe, in 2009. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Then, I mean, you guys are all doing this full-time now. Is that right? Well, Diana and I, just Diana and I, we're doing this full-time, and we have a different full-time staff. But Alyssa still has another full-time job, um, and she she's still very involved um, at the board level, but not so much um, daily activity. Yeah, and what is your background out of curiosity? Because you said you worked in corporate America before. Yeah, I did. Um, I actually worked in the buying office for uh, a Saxon Avenue in both buying and also planning. And then I moved to a different retail chain, um, was also doing similar job. Mm-hmm. And then I went to actually on um, the production end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a basically 13 years of the whole entire supply chain, all the way from production to, to the retail end of experience. Oh, I see. Wow. And so I can kind of see how you bring that to Nomi. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about how some of those skills and experiences, like how does that translate to what you do for Nomi? Yeah, and it was pretty incredible because um, I think when I first started, there's really no job description or there's no... Yeah. 
any kind of position right. out there that you can find just yeah. on any kind of a job search engine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so our goal when we first created it was really just to create um, financial opportunity and economical opportunity. And quite honestly, we saw one of the largest, biggest challenge about human trafficking is basically an economical crime. And in order to compact this, in order to fight it, is to create jobs for these vulnerable women and the children. So they wouldn't even have to fall into the trap in the first place. So they didn't have to take the risk of saying, well, maybe there is a chance it's not a bad thing that I won't be trapped. Maybe there's a chance I can actually provide for my family. So um, so when we first went to Cambodia, we noticed even the uh, survivors who were rescued, they were having a hard time to reintegrate them back into the society because there were no job opportunities. Mm-hmm. So our goal was how can we create more of that? And uh, and uh, so we started by simply partner with many local NGO, which is uh, what they refer to as non-government organizations, right. by partner with them and to really help them to elevate the product they are currently they were currently making at that right. time mm-hmm. so is uh, so they can sell more in the marketplace mm-hmm. and because it's a simple um, supply and demand if there is more product they can sell which means they can provide more jobs and they can hire more women to um, to to get them out of mm-hmm. um, the whole human trafficking and uh, and to prevent them from entering in the first place so that were our goal right Oh, something that you said was interesting, and uh, maybe I'll just uh, clarify this. Like, yeah, it's very, obviously, a lot of these women who survive or come out of human trafficking uh, need economic opportunities. But is this also some kind of sort of like a prevention? So also that women and children have opportunities to contribute economically so they don't fall into the trap? Yeah, absolutely, because what... You know, one thing we we learn in any kind of issue that we are facing, it's always better to prevent. So one thing we realize is not only we want to help these women who were trafficked and who have been rescued, but it's about preventing more young girls and more young women and uh, even children from going to this place. And there was being done, the cost of actually rescue and uh, reintegrating them mm-hmm. is so much more than the cause of preventing them in the first place mm-hmm. and uh, personally I just got tired of being you know um, sort of pro um, uh, reacting instead of being proacting about it um, that's why I personally really believe that prevention is is very important and is one of the most important thing um, in, in terms of the whole compact human trafficking issue right right that's great yeah, and, and not just prevention, but when they're uh, recovering or surviving, um, how do you help them through that? And part of having these economic op- opportunities is probably a big piece of that as well. Absolutely, because um, if they have, they don't have anything to go back to, and unfortunately, yeah. it's a reality, right. they end up going back to right. where <laughs> you try to get them out in the first yeah. place. So, yeah, both spectrum are absolutely important. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, so can you talk a little bit more about what is it that you do for Nomi? Because I understand that you travel quite a bit, right? Yeah, I do. Um, I do a lot of um, um, 
basically works on the ground. Um, what I mean doing that is I work, um, I'm very lucky. I, I'm truly very lucky because I get to work with these very women that um, we we want to benefit too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I spend a lot of time not just about working with them, but it's really building um, a communities and the gain their trust and uh, and they truly become part of our family. Mm-hmm. So, so I spend a lot of time working with them and also train them identify what is the opportunity on the ground. Uh, for example, in the last couple years, I have spent significant amount of time in India because we started our program in India in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also the first time we had the opportunity to work with the communities directly. So you're actually like training this woman and like uh, helping them to actually run a small business perhaps? That sort of thing? Well, Absolutely. That's our ultimate goal. Um, but for now, we were training them with skill sets, uh, right. the skill set that they needed it. And mm-hmm. also, in many cases, um, um, you know, it's it's hard to, when you are involved at that level, it's hard to just focus on one thing and not sure. caring the others. Oh, um, sure. So, so we definitely, uh, we help them with many of their even social issue sure. um, and we encourage them making sure their kids are going to school and supporting their kids are going uh-huh. to school right um, yeah and uh, and also this continue to be issue with with basically facing um, criminal activities so we do our best to partner again with people who have expertise internal legal internal with the local enforcement um, uh-huh. and, and, and to ensure that um, our participants and our women are protected, and right. uh, and then they are in uh, they gain the whatever the law is on their side, and I help them to to uh, to really gain that confidence so they can stand on their own and then fight, and then also come to the realization of what has been done to them is mm-hmm. not right. Mm-hmm. So right. they they really um, so in many ways we're also raising up leaders um, at the community level. Oh, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, what would you say are some of the challenges that you've experienced in either starting NOMI or just working on NOMI? Well, I think like um, when we first started, like many startups, um, there were so many challenges. One <laughs> of the challenges, obviously, is a financial challenge because now you have this new idea. So are, how do you get people to, to believe in the idea with you and uh, and to, to really say wow okay this can be done because it's not something has been done before right. so so that was uh, an initial challenge and uh, and I will say the second challenge is um, and uh, it's, it's a lot of time I think as a young startup you have so many ideas and you have so many dream and vision right. But how do you narrow down yeah. to what your core competency? Right. And so that took us a few years, I have to admit. Uh, but then now we are definitely much leaner and uh, we're much more clear with what uh-huh. we want to do and how we want to get there. Um, so those were the couple big challenge I could definitely just think about when we first started as a young organization. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, and so now that um, Nomi's been around for like what four almost five years oh no you said seven yeah almost oh, it's gonna uh, be almost seven. seven years yeah, yeah. almost seven years wow. so what are some of Nomi's um, signature events or your campaigns or programs well I 
Nobody started with a campaign. It's called "Buy Her Back, Not Her Body." Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's a campaign. We came up with that slogan because we want people to um, to see what we are doing, and we want we we basically want to catch an attention, um, and then we want a slogan to to just be able to communicate with the people what we are trying to do. So um, and uh, now it is still one of our strong slogan. Although we kind of evolved a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we also evolve in a more gentle tone because we realize not everybody wants to have this issue right in front of face, but they do care. Uh-huh. They do care. They want to help. So um, so we also start recently explaining every bag you buy provide jobs survivor and the help and modern-day slavery Mm -hmm. so what essentially we're saying your dollars matter right how you your dollars and where you spend it matter it does help and because now this is actually becoming a quite big global issue and more and more consumers are becoming aware of it so our campaign is not just about human trafficking it's really about what caused the human trafficking in the big picture Right. So and how everybody can actually be active part of making you know this movement and uh, and really end the modern day slavery and hopefully in this decade or at least in our lifetime right right yeah and so these bags are actually made by these um, survivors of uh, human trafficking yes um, all bags and all products are made by survivor and also women at risk in traffic. Mm-hmm. So again, um, our goal is not just about the um, the reintegration of survivor; it's also about prevention. So, so we want to make sure these opportunity extend to the women who are at high risk. Mm-hmm. Right, and. Um are there any other products that you have, like do you, like T-shirts or any other um, products that are made by survivors or uh, women at risk? Yeah, we do. We also have a T-shirt line that we started about three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's an organic cotton T-shirt line made by our partner in India. And uh, we, we also start playing around with a whole home accessory so oh. which is very exciting uh-huh. yeah we just brought back a couple of pillowcases that were hand painted by our participant in our Indian program oh, yeah. and we had a, such a great response mm-hmm. um, from our customers so we're very excited so we are, we're going to roll that out in 2015 so definitely be look out for that oh great um, so what would you say are some of uh, Nomi's key accomplishments over the years like and how can you give some examples of how you guys have actually made a difference? The, um, you know, I when, when we first start this dream to um, to impact many lives, I think many times we we just put a numbers in there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I will say some of the accomplish I see is really truly at a personal level. There is no numbers can describe when you can see this one person you have relationship or you help with mm-hmm. and overcome the obstacle they have to face from every day and also from your past. 
Um, and when I see our participants, especially the ones in India, from where I knew them, uh-huh. which was three years ago, right. couldn't even write their own name, wow. couldn't even lift their head up and look at me straight into wow. the eyes because they were so ashamed and afraid and mm-hmm. fearful mm-hmm. of who they are and mm-hmm. their own surrounding and their own existence to the point of even now when our you know, when our volunteers when Nomi staff come over and they will look at them and smile and just hug mm-hmm. them and then hearing them will stand up for each other because yeah. one person was abused. Um and and that that to me is truly one of the biggest accomplishments accomplishment and any numbers that we can all we can report um right so yeah no it's incredible but i mean i have to say that i'm very impressed with nomi because i believe even very early on you guys and correct me if i get this wrong but i believe you received some kind of award or recognition for being one of the best new not-for-profits or something like that or um, yes, um, we, okay, Felissa, <laughs> I have to look it up, which one we want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this one, I, I need to look it up a little bit. Okay, so I don't <laughs> feel so bad, because I couldn't get it right. <laughs> oh, with what we want, uh, so let me, <laughs> yeah, no so problem, I have to look no that problem. one up. I, I think throughout years, we, we will always be encouraged by people um, who believe in our works, so the latest one is definitely 2014. We um, we got top rated list for one of the great nonprofits. So so that's very encouraging because it means we're doing something right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely to have that recognition. Um, and I understand like um, your travels, which bring you to India and the Asia region, actually allow you to go back to Taiwan, right? So there's a Taiwan yeah, connection yeah. too. Um, can you talk about that? Were you born in Taiwan or you grew up in Taiwan? Yeah, I was born in Taiwan and uh, grew up in Taiwan actually until I was a teenager uh, before I came to America, yeah. Oh, wow, great. And so um, I guess does your traveling allow you to get back to Taiwan a little bit more often now? Well, um not as much, but definitely um, in, <laughs> compared to the past, uh-huh. and it was um, it was really good to reconnect and uh, see how far and how advanced Taiwan is becoming. Mm-hmm. And also, I my recent trip, which I found a very interesting, I visited this um, um, old um, uh, this coffee house, this tea house mm-hmm. has a lot of many old article from the old days of Taiwan. Uh-huh. And it was very interesting. I saw the certificate of of basically a, a certificate that identified the this woman to be a legal sort of a bar dancer. Oh. And uh, yeah That was, was the owner of the coffee shop? It was it was Yes, and oh. he used to be a huge collector, and he loved collecting uh-huh. all those old Taiwanese articles and artifacts, okay. and they were this ID card. So basically, back in the day, when Taiwan was occupied by Japanese, yeah. and uh, you have any kind of occupation, you have to have some kind of paperwork for right. it. And uh, this particular one is called, she's a dancer, and in Chinese, it's called Wu Mm-hmm. And basically, you have to have an ID, 
and uh, and uh, as, as the dancer to escort men in the bar. Oh. So and and it got my mind start thinking because I remember even in the days when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Taiwan was actually in fact probably many des- the destination of many sex tourism, mm-hmm. and uh, and I actually spoke to my mom about it since I became more and more aware. So, um, and I actually hope one day I can probably go back spending a little bit more time in Taiwan to really dig through the histories of it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, one thing I do realize, this issue, it didn't start just recently. It has been going on for years. Um, right. And it just no one really talked about it. Right. And uh, especially back in the day, it was very hidden in one side of the world. So nowadays, it's becoming such a global issue because with the ease of transporting anything and like human being and uh, with the internet, it, it now is growing into such a global issue. Um, so, so I definitely see Taiwan would have been a, a part of that history. And so it would be very interesting to find out more. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like, uh, especially in that era, you know, during War Two and things, there's um, so many stories like that. And as you said, Taiwan was occupied by Japan. Um, and, you know, when Japan surrendered to the Allied forces and the Allied forces, you know, and Chiang Kai-shek was in Taiwan. So there's a lot of yes. interesting backstory and history, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and this is the one thing, um, this is my personal faith belief, is that the way you will grow up, all the challenge environment that you you face in the past eventually truly molds into who you are in the future if you allow them to be. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I know, in effect, that how I grew up in Taiwan, my experience, my personal experience, even what my mom and my grandmother experienced, you know, shape into what I do today. So, um, so it would be very interesting to really trace back and to do more study and find more research about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes me curious, if you don't mind me asking, like, uh, how would you say your life, your early life in Taiwan was different from uh, your life when you moved to the U.S.? Well, I think when <laughs> part of it, Asian culture, um, I think is the family are super protective of mm-hmm. us, right? Um, for if I still in many ways live in Taiwan, for me to go out and spend all those time in underdeveloped countries, and in many ways people will consider to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, sure. and I think my mom will probably still freak out over it. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I think what allows me to grow as more of a person after I came to America is is that independent spirit um, and they're not overly protected but it really allowing me to really grow and uh, to be less fearful of my environment mm-hmm. um, and uh, allow my curiosity to really um, to take place more so and to be in many ways an explorer yeah and right. go out and buy new things and uh, see new things um, and uh, from that experience and I'm able to connect many different dots. No, even from the past to present, yeah. No, because I was just going to say, like, that sounds like that's part of your experience. Like, anybody who immigrates to another country or has to move to a different environment, um, Mm -hmm. you have to adjust to that. So, I mean, 
I don't know what kind of challenges or how it was for you and when you came to the U.S. Like, did you come when you were in high school or later for um, college? And what was that transition like? Well, I came when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was it was a bit challenge <laughs> transition. Yeah, especially at that age. You, yeah, exactly. So high school, even back then, especially um, in the eighties, was not. Mm-hmm. was not was was not friendly in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Oh so, my goodness, so, so, New York yeah. City. Never mind New York City. High school is just a very in teenagers. Oh, it's such some... a challenging time fitting in, trying to figure out yourself. My goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can tell you some crazy stories <laughs> that happened to me even when I when I just arrived. But um you know, I mean you learn you have to tough it up pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. So um but one thing I am blessed and I'm very lucky with uh from my mother and my family is that they they always believe in education. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. obviously, education nowadays comes in many different forms. But back then, um, it was through school. So so they made sure I was in school. Right. So no matter what, right. I do my homework and mm-hmm. I study. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I definitely had that discipline. Yes. Um, you know, even from my own home. So yeah, great. Um, and so, I mean, it's so inspiring to hear, you know, your enthusiasm for Nomi Network and how it's grown and everything. Like, what advice do you have for people who may be thinking about this, like who had a dream like you did, and um, whether it's for some business organization or a cause that they want to work for? Well, I think the world definitely has changed a lot. Um, I think in many in the old days, or even in, you know, in Asia, some family might be like, oh, you know, take the traditional route. And I would encourage people, if you have a dream, write it down, and then and then talk to people. And make sure you talk to those people who will encourage you and not just shut you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. make sure you talk to people, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, things are possible, mm-hmm. but... It does take a lot of work. So if you have a dream, and if you want to see that dream, and uh, don't give up so easily. And I, I found myself, um, the first year is always one of the challenge times because yeah. you are not sure if you can make it, if you, know, if you want to give it up. Right. And uh, another, another challenge, I would say through the third years. And also, I would encourage you, and on advice is, you know, a lot of time when you do things by yourself, it's not easy. But when you have a team, right? either you find a partner mm-hmm. or you surround yourself with people who share that same passion and right. who believe in that same dream. Right. And because when you have a team, it makes it stronger. Even when you're down, then your teammate might encourage you. Yeah. So because you always need to surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. Get in that circle <laughs> if you have a dream so they will help you to make it come true even when you can't do it by yourself at that moment but right. they will believe in you right right so wow. that's so inspiring um and so what is uh what's in store for nomi network what's what do you guys have planned for the future are you guys planning to go into any other areas because you started in cambodia and now you're in india what's next yeah Oh, um, 
if we talk about dreams, right? Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> um, yes. And uh, yeah, I always, I always believe um, this, this is, a, this is obviously a global issue. Um, there is a need at the global level. So, uh, but for immediate, um, I think 2015, uh, for the next couple of years, we want to just strengthen where we are mm-hmm. and uh, and then really um, and seed a program that truly becomes sustainable because that has always been our dream is mm-hmm. see these women stand on their own and make it on their own that mm-hmm. we can walk away from it. We don't need to watch over them anymore. So that has always been our dream. Um, so, and I definitely, in the long run, we hope to duplicate what we have done um, with many organizations that in different parts of the world, the same method and help them to connect mm-hmm. to the marketplace and uh, more people know about it. Um, and uh, it's not just going to be a special social cost product. It's going to be a product you can see everywhere mm-hmm. in every store. Mm-hmm. And that's what we will love to see. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. Another, like, what, seven years or so, that's like that's almost like a generation um, that yeah. you have impacted, definitely. Um, yeah, is there, absolutely. Yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about Nomi Network that we haven't talked about or covered? Well, um, I think a couple of things I can mention, if you are interested to definitely find out about us, you can always and curious and wonder how what you can do at this moment right. to help. Absolutely. I think yeah. Yeah. Go to our website which is ww dot nomi n o m i net n e t w o r k dot org and uh, and it will give you more detail our programs and also how you can help by either Obviously, donate. We are a nonprofit organization, and but most important thing I truly believe is uh, purchase our products and make a difference because all these products are made by survivor and also women at risk. So you truly, truly are provide jobs and also help end modern day slavery. Right, right, and opportunities. Um, and you guys are also pretty active on social media, right? You have we Facebook are. Page it's so something on. we are. Yes. <laughs> uh, Nowadays, can you get away with social no, media? No, it's almost no. impossible. Yeah. And it, it might boggles me sometimes where we are. Electricity is still a luxury. So yeah. Um, yeah. So you can follow us on Facebook is Sonomi Network, and then you can. Uh, we also have Instagram. We also have and uh, so yeah you can you can get our update any possible way you wanted it <laughs> yeah great and I see that in New York you guys are having something coming up called Cheers to Freedom in January can you talk a little bit about that hopefully this podcast will be up before then so people can you know participate yeah, because January is actually Freedom Week, um, and I, I believe it's around the world. Um, or uh-huh. okay, so Felissa, you you have to better find that a little bit. Um, uh, so it's January is the Freedom Week, uh-huh. and uh, um, so we always do something to basically celebrate the freedom. So we're gonna have. Um, I think we're going to have more information definitely on the Facebook. It's organized by our young executive board. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, so I, I'm not quite sure exactly where yet. So you might have to check that on Facebook. So okay, <laughs> yeah, to, no problem. No, actually, I just literally went to your website 
And um, it sounds really fun because it's what this, do we have? Let me, it let says me see. cheers to freedom, sure. an event to fight human trafficking. And it seems like there's going to be several bars and restaurants um, throughout yeah, Manhattan that are participating. And I see one of the bars here. It says Glorietta Baldi. Um, it's on Franklin Avenue um, in Brooklyn. And it says they're going to be donating $1 for every Narragansett lager sold. So, right. I mean, sounds, you know, it's post-holiday season, still good reason to celebrate and, you know, have a drink with your friends and then your dollars can go towards Norman Network, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's going to be on uh, January 10th, I see. It's a Saturday. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the event page. <laughs> yeah, um. unfortunately, I will be uh, I will be away. Um, oh I'm yes, so you're. We were, where are you off. going? I'm you're, taking some oh. vacation time. Oh yes, <laughs> good time. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you, Supe. Um, Supe Lee, one of the co-founders of Nomi Network. Really appreciate you taking time of your schedule to speak to us today. Thank you so much, and thank you for um, for being here, and it's a pleasure. Okay, great. Take care. Bye-bye. I've been speaking with Supe Liu, one of the co-founders of Nomi Network. To learn more about Nomi Network, visit nominetwork.org. And to find them on social media, visit our website, www.talkingtaiwan.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.